Hello, friends. Welcome to Tizzy Bear Radio. I'm your producer, Danielle. Now, you might be asking yourself, wait a minute, why am I not hearing the dulcet tones of Papa Bear and Georgian Roses right now? Well, my friends, <clears throat> it's me this week. It's going to be the conversation on how I see it. Uh, my, my lovely and wonderful co-host took a backseat this week so that I could lead a conversation with some very special guests today about <clears throat> women. Um, it's a very broad topic, but it is Women's History Month. Uh, it's, we're running out the end of it now this week. And I um, wanted to take on the task of having a more female-focused episode. Now, that's not, not to leave anybody out in this conversation. I think that everyone can relate to the things that we're going to talk about today. We're going to discuss female friendships. We're going to talk about motherhood, parenthood for that matter, how you balance your life and a new life that you have in the world with you. And then finally, we're going to have actually a man discuss with us, a very close friend of all of ours at Tipsy Bear Radio, um, kind of talk about the imbalance of, of the women experience in the workplace, in really any workplace. And, you know, how as a man, you can support women in this situation. So this episode is really special to me because it was fairly challenging to figure out how I wanted to present these topics. And, 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 and in all fairness, we did have, you know, I've spoken to quite a few different women that I admire, that I look up to. And, you know, there's so many ways we could take this. So I, with hopefully the support of my, um, my two lovely co-hosts, uh, I would be able to bring you more of these kind of conversations and not just talk about, you know, natural born females, but also talk about trans women's experience, talk about the non-binary experience, talk about an experience that's not just relegated to, you know, a cis females experience. Um, I identify as queer, and but I am a cis white female. So of course, my experience is going to be slightly limited um, to, well, my experience. So what I've realized in talking to people I wanted to interview for this show and in really thinking through how I wanted to best present this is that I want to take myself selfishly, you know, in these conversations with women that I admire, that I look up to. Some I don't know at all. Um, some are in fields that I, you know, find super interesting or are male dominated typically. And I want to just give a spotlight to at least one part of their story. And hopefully in this process and in this episode, and hopefully many more to come, you, the listener, will gain some little insight into the world of, you know, obviously these are their specific experiences, but I think many women in particular can relate. And some of the conversations aren't the easiest ones to have. It requires a lot of honesty. It requires a lot of looking at some not beautiful parts of yourself. But I really believe, and speaking for myself, honestly, doing the work is is so important. And I'm just going to take a little, you're going to get a little bit of Danielle right now. I 
I've been on a, a journey of self-discovery, so to speak, in the last particular year. Now we, we've been in the middle of a pandemic and had the whole world stopped to some degree. In Germany right now, it's moving way slower than it is in the rest of the world, which is constantly a frustration for us over here. But in some beautiful ways, we've been given this time to reflect. Um, a lot of people have lost their jobs or lost the, I guess, the, the typical experience of their jobs. You're working from home now. Maybe you're working less hours. For me, I haven't been working. I've been trying to get back into the workforce, but it's also been a whole other, that's a whole nother story, but um, figuring out what I want. And so what's ended up happening is that I have been in a, I've been in a place of questioning and a large part of my questions revolve around females. And you'll hear me say this again in probably a couple of the other interviews, but I, it's, it's come to my, well, I've decided to finally look at some internalized misogyny that I have. And boy, yeah, that's not easy. And I've had to look at what kind of friend I am to people and what kind of listener I am and not just see the world from Danielle's side. And um, yeah, so long story short, <laughs> this episode has really like what the goal of this, and I hope that you can gain from it as well. And it's really, I want to learn as much as I can. And I have to constantly question myself. And, I, and you know, full disclosure, I am in therapy, <laughs> big proponent for therapy. I've been trying many different things to get me through not just this period of time of the pandemic, but, you know, being me. And faced with a time where you don't have the same distractions or the same stress, or you can't blame things on other people or situations, I've really been, I've, I, well, I want to say I've been forced, but I've also had to make the choice. So without further ado, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to go straight into our first interview. Um, it's my, my good friend, Claire Childers. Her professional name is Annabelle Zenith. She is, um, she, oh, she'll explain it way better than I can, but she's this beautiful, wonderful human being. And I highly suggest that if you, actually, I highly suggest that you check out all the people that are on the show today and they will be linked in our Instagram. And speaking of Instagram, uh, please go check us out. Our name is tip, at Tipsy Bear Radio. Um, there's not a ton of content on there right now. I'm still trying to work that one out, but there's great links to all of our episodes there. Um, you can send us some direct messages. We try to update. We try to update that as best we can. It's getting better. But there's there's some great content about the guests that I have on today. Also, please, um, if you ever want to email us any questions, comments, concerns, a love note perhaps, um, our email address is tipsybearradio at gmail.com. And finally, please, if you haven't, if this is maybe your first time at the at the rodeo, so to speak, check out all our other episodes. We've got, we're on what, episode 31 right now? We've got a great back catalog, really funny stuff, and you'll hear actually much more of Papa Bear and Trojan Roses than you do of me. So... Hopefully this isn't the episode that turns you away. Um, thank you for being with us. And thanks for coming on this fun journey with me today as we talk about and celebrate women. And remember, Women's History Month should not be one month. International Women's Day should not be one day. 
we should be having these conversations and celebrating everybody, regardless of your gender, your sex, your orientation, all the time. All right, um, I'm actually going to take a quick break. When we come back, the first interview of the day. Welcome back to Tipsy Bear Radio. I'm your producer, Danielle. So today I'm having a conversation with my friend Claire. Um, Claire and I met at a coffee shop in Berlin, um, and uh, I was having a particularly hard day, and she overheard me talking about it with the, the dudes that worked at the coffee shop, and in her most amazing and empathic way, she like showed up for me and offered some sage advice, and uh, I became a client of hers, and then we built a friendship from there. So today, uh, I want to welcome Claire, and I want to talk to, we're going to talk about female friendships and um, sort of what that means. Because for myself, uh, I if you know me, you know that I don't have a lot of strong female friendships or I haven't in a really long time. And that is one thing that I am trying to work through and also um, build on because uh, I, I want to have stronger relationships with females. And Claire has become one of those people in my life. So, uh, yeah. Welcome, Claire. Hi, Danielle. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to maybe tell the listeners a little bit about, like, your background or, or what, you, what you do in Berlin now or anything you want to share before yeah. we get into it? Um, hmm. I work with almost exclusively women, although men sometimes, helping to sort of liberate our brains from systemic oppressive narratives and I do that through different modalities um, through energy healing or rites of passage or just counseling or speaking having just guided conversations and using you know I have a I have a broad toolkit so to say but yeah it's just about getting us out under from underneath yeah, just the oppressive culture we live in mm-hmm. to be sort of heavy about it. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Yeah, I, I've experienced my own issues with female friendships, with mother-daughter relationships, with power dynamics between women, and then of course my own relationships, um, intimacy, intimate, intimate relationships with men and women. And a few years ago, had gone through a really intense breakup, and had just become a new mother and in that process of undoing and re-becoming um, learned a lot and went very deep under so that's um that's what I'm here to share and help other women get out of because awesome. we're not meant to do it alone so tending yeah. those female friendships is kind of the first step to building trust within ourselves it's absolutely true yeah I mean it's uh it's not easy no no, no, and that's the thing is like I, I, I'll say to your like, being friends with you was probably one of the first times that I recognized how important it was for me and how much I had, like, wanted that connection. But it's not an easy thing for me to do. I can't. I'm not great at showing up as a friend. I'm not great at showing up for myself. Um, and it's much easier for me to not 
do those things or be around them because of so much stuff I don't know quite yet about myself. But I, um, I do think there's like internally, I know there's so much value in having female friendships and, and being an ally for other females because I feel like there's just so much in our oppressive culture that I have absorbed personally and like didn't realize the way mm-hmm. that I had internalized misogyny against other women. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, you were really one of the first females in my life in such a long time for me to feel like that. I mean, obviously as your client, because I'll link um, to Claire's uh, business website and, and what she does so you can learn a little bit more um, throughout our conversation. But um, what she offers is just such an amazing thing as a as a professional or as a person or just as a female, like leading your life and um, really started me on a journey trying to like forge friendships, but also I, there's so much I have to learn about myself in order to do that because I'm not, I don't feel like I'm very good at being a friend. There's a lot to dismantle Mm -hmm. in the process and you kind of just keep finding more and more layers to it as you go, Mm -hmm. which can be really daunting. I remember us having some conversations about that early on when we were sort of moving into a space that was more friendship based Mm -hmm. and how hard that was for you and Mm -hmm. having really honest, vulnerable conversations. And that's that uncomfortable place that we all have to learn to become comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of, I think a, a broader problem is that we're educated and socialized to try to find comfort before all else. And so then it becomes very difficult to, to, even want to be in uncomfortable places to unpack what we're carrying around. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. And then, you know, you see demons there. You see things you don't like about yourself. There's, it's not great. But once we start to look at those things and, and see, you know, maybe that's, give ourselves permission for the possibility that maybe that's not really me. Yeah. For example, internalized misogyny, like those thoughts that you have about other women or, or really ultimately about yourself. Yeah. They're not yours. Right. They, they've, they've, they're external, but you're carrying them. And so to, there's a, there's a little bit of curiosity that we have to carry into these like scary places. It's true. Yeah. It can be really challenging. I mean, like, I don't know, but I hope there are people listening to this episode that you can somehow relate to these feelings because it's, it's, it's easy to say, oh yeah, I'm friends with females or I like females. Mm -hmm. But when you really like start to dive into the work or you realize the things that you you feel about yourself essentially like you said like it's not easy and it's for me it's so much easier to just back away from it and mm-hmm. be like forget it like it's just not me like I'm just not a girl's girl but that's really not how I, I where did that be. come from yeah like that's I always find this is such a and I'll just state that I'm constantly on this this journey too and deepening and broadening and coming up with my own issues you know it's it's a lot to unlearn in my own lifetime and I think most women are also in that space it's Mm -hmm. it's deep but the most beautiful place is to start with curiosity you know I'm just I said the same thing to myself well I'm just I'm like the friend with the dudes yeah I don't I'm not a like you know where did that come from right why do you think that what's the proof yeah. How do you know if you've never had really good, you know, or you have maybe one good friendship with the woman, you know, mm-hmm. and they take, I don't know what your experience is, but 
I find if I sort of look back over my sort of adult time, maybe touching into early, you know, high school a little bit, um, how did friendships with guys evolve and how did friendships with girls evolve and which mm-hmm. ones were long, like which ones take longer? Mm-hmm. The friendships I've had with women tend to take longer. Yeah. And with guys, not that there can't be really deep, meaningful relationships with guys, but um, they seem to just either click or not and, and you hang out with them and they're like, you know. Yeah. You know. It, it feels a lot easier. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that's the truth, but I know for me, like, I think the female friendships that I have lost have been the most painful losses for me in terms of, of friends. And it's like, I don't have that feeling with, I mean, and, and in fairness, like I've had some male friendships that have ended in, in dramatic fashion, but the female friendships that have ended or, 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 you know, yeah, ended essentially, or we've lost touch or something have always been like the most deeply painful ones for me. And I think in recent time, I, I lost two significant friendships in the city that were female and they were two of my closest friends. And, you know, it would be easy for me to say that it's their fault, but in reality, like I own a lot of responsibility and we all just sort of stopped talking to each other after a time where it, nothing was ever resolved. It still isn't. I don't think it ever will be at this point because I think there must be a lot of pain on both sides. But it's it's always been easier for me than to go to a place where I can just like go hang out with a bunch of dudes talking about sucking dick and like drinking and like forgetting about things. You know, it's like and, you know, I... I think it's it's really challenging for me to trust in those friendships because, like you said, they do take longer. Well, also look at what you said right there. It's super interesting, like hanging out with the dudes, talking about sucking dick or whatever. Well, that's why is that such an easy conversation? Mm-hmm. But hanging out with girlfriends and talking about eating pussy or yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know whatever we the the variation of not that there's not a lot of in depth topics that you can go in with women, but our society has made it easier to talk about guy-related things. Mm -hmm. And there's almost an expectation, I think, sometimes that if you show up as a woman in those space, that's what you have to talk about. There's no flexibility. And you know that's what it is. Mm -hmm. But like, if you haven't had a close relationship growing up with your mom or with um, a sister that was a deep and meaningful relationship or whatever, you didn't build up what that's even like, how to show up in those spaces with other women. And and even just like a level of communication. Yeah. I, again... I only I have one really close guy friend and we talk about everything I would talk about with any other normal human being, quote unquote, that I have an intimate relationship with, close relationship with. But I definitely have dude friends where we just talk about really surface stuff. Yeah. But the women friendships that I have in my life at this point in my life are all very deep and vulnerable. And it's because my expectation of the communication level that I'm going to receive from the close people in my life has changed. Mm -hmm. And I'm not allowing myself or forcing myself to be less than that person who wants to communicate that much. Like, I find it less interesting to have those surface relationships mm-hmm. with women or men. Yeah, yeah. Than I do to have the the 
I want boundaries to be talked about in the beginning of our friendship. I want to talk about how can I, how can I know how to show up for you and let me tell you how you can show up for me in case I ever need it. And so that there's some feeling of, of, of what that container of friendship looks like. And why isn't that something that we couldn't all have the possibility to talk about? Because I think a lot of the reasons why we don't make these friendships is because we're unsure what does that friendship look like? Yeah. What are the expectations? Mm-hmm. I don't want to step on someone's foot. I don't want to, you know, women are taught, be nice, don't make any problems, no confrontation. And then we try to do that with each other. And then we just, you know, talk shit behind each other's backs yeah. or yeah. don't communicate things directly. Right, this exactly. Is super yeah. problematic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's why, like, it's also so fucked up the way that society dismisses female friendships or like it capitalizes on this like female on female violence with each other like we're all catty which is sure like if you want to deduce it down to that yes of course women exhibit catty behavior how could we not they haven't given us given us very other options exactly but modeled for us and yeah we've been shown to that we should be competing with each other for the attention Mm of whatever i mean it was men and now it's mutated into other things but yeah. ultimately that's what it's down to you take away a woman's education you make her wear really weird clothes that restrict her movement over hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years yeah and this is what's going to happen yeah women life finds a way and it mutates and if it mutates into the edge of cattiness backbiting and manipulativeness that's because women have no other option right it's true yeah it's it's uh yeah i mean like my brain sort of just like explodes thinking about this because it's such an such an unfortunate thing because I think I also, I've, I've felt this for so long and I'm one of four girls of my family. There was one boy and then four females and I am not close with any of my three sisters. I mean, I'm close with one of, closer with one of them, but like uh, we, we were all sort of brought up to compete with each other right. and it, and it creates, you know, um, a lot of, uh, you know, shitty feelings between all of us. And there's just this, like, you know, competitive nature and there's this, you know, tearing each other down. And, you know, I love my mother to death, but, you know, she, I don't think she knew how to appropriately model, you know, um, strong female. I mean, she made four very strong, independent, opinionated, wonderful women, but I don't know that she knew how to handle the the nature of girls together do you know what i mean yeah and then i had a stepmother who was my therapist and then married my father and it was like story for another time but then it was just like i just kind of always grew up in knowing like women were just never really on your side and now it's like for me i think i don't know how to show up properly i am a shitty friend i can 100 percent admit that and it sucks to say it out loud, but I am. And I'm a shitty friend to everybody in my life, especially to myself. And I think the thing is, is that like with men, I have found that they don't really give a shit if you don't call them back. They don't care if you don't show up on time. You know, like they don't expect you to show up for them or yourself, which now for me is changing in a way where I don't really want that to be the basis of a friendship because as I've gone through, as you know, I've gone through a year of questioning things mm-hmm. and like trying to better myself and struggle like hugely. I don't want that to be the basis of every friendship that I have. It has a place, but I deeply, deeply want to a love myself more, understand myself, but also I want these friendships. I want to foster like real 
things. And that's why being around you especially is so important for me. But it does, I do like bump up against some really difficult feelings. And I also like, I just don't know how to be a better friend yet. I think it's, it can be triggering. Well, first of all, I think it's so interesting when we have what you brought up these sort of like guy friends who don't care if you, you know, write them back or not, but wouldn't we like to have friends that want us to write back? No, but that's, yeah, so you know, that's what I want. Right. Yeah. But when, when we're, when we've decided that that's okay, mm-hmm. we've decided that that's okay, that we don't have to show up for ourselves. And then it can become really triggering when you know, there's someone around who would like to hear from you and would like to know how you're doing. And then it becomes a, a mirror for how are you treating yourself when you can see that someone else cares. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, um, when you were speaking about your family and your mother and there's an archetype that exists which we can you know call the patriarchalized feminine or patriarchalized female which is can you know be a very um sort of acquisitional character in the world so we've so the father's daughter meaning um i'm going to go out in the world and get this career and i'm going to do the things and sort of like you know that 80s idea of the <laughs> of the shoulder pads and yeah. the, i'm going to work now this kind of female yeah, right girl yeah yes and this became a way that women suddenly had a doorway into a world that broadened, but the only way in was to act like a man. Mm-hmm. Yet at the same time, there was a lot of people sleeping to the top, and there's this idea of like, how do you, you know, with, with dudes, I remember when I was younger, at least knowing, well, all I have to do is show up and be cute and funny, and they'll like me. Yeah. I don't have to do anything more than that. That's yeah. awesome. I know right. that I can do those two things, although I feel wildly self-conscious about everything else. I could always show up like that. Yeah. With women, there was a totally different expectation. And it's in, in that sort of place of competition and looking at each other and comparing yeah. that I would always feel pale in comparison to everyone else. Mm-hmm. But a true feminine friendship that isn't so... This competition idea also comes out in this archetype of a patriarchalized, patriarchalized female <laughs> in that there's a competitiveness because if we think about this concept that's pretty still pretty new for us, you know, when the world started opening up in the last, what are we, like 40 years, 30 years, uh, 50 years, um, there weren't a lot of places for women. Mm-hmm. And there's still this kind of comp- competitive nature. Mm-hmm. And so growing up that way, depending on how your mother might have been creating the container of space for you as girls, yeah. that might have just continued to exist. And she might have somehow, sometimes felt that she was competing with you. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it's absolutely true because I, speaking of my mom specifically, I think she she had gone from being, um, I mean, she was the oldest of, the oldest daughter of, of six or seven kids and she basically was taking care of the children alongside her mother from the time she was very little mm-hmm. and my mom had this desire to be a nun, like she was, grew up very Catholic and then she ended up getting pregnant with her first child quickly out of high school and then she was the role of the mother and she did she worked alongside her first husband he worked on a fishing boat in alaska and she did all the cooking on the boat and like she had to leave behind her desires for a college degree while he got his Mm -hmm. and then she ended up having more children and she never yeah i think you're totally right i think you know my mom and i've struggled with because after she divorced her first husband she had three children she spent some time independently and I think it was really hard for her because she was trying to figure out who she was Mm -hmm. as a woman and she went into the workforce and I think she felt really accomplished and really like, you know, and this is at a time in like, uh, I think it's like the late seventies at this point, or it's obviously still a male, like she was working in a male dominated industry. Um, 
And she was successful and she was finding her independence outside of being just a mother or a wife. And, you know, so I think she definitely struggled with that. But then she met my father and then she had my, my sister and I. And when my, they divorced, my mom and I left. The, my, my parents split up and my younger sister stayed with my father and I went with her. And I think she struggled with, yeah, also having four daughters that didn't have to live by you know, the confines of the world at the time when she was, was yeah. that age. And, you know, I, I, I think you're, I never really thought about it like that, but I do think she, and now my mom and I have a much different, much more developed relationship and we're still learning how to do it. But, you know, it was, it was hard because I, as a child and as an adult to some degree, like I always felt like she wasn't caring for me. Mm-hmm. And now as, as a woman who, I'm at the age where she had already had five kids at this point, um, or near, yeah, I think almost nearly had five children, and I don't have children. I don't think I ever will have children, but I have the luxury of the choice to move to another country, decide on the career I want to have, decide on the relationships that I want to have, like, you know, be open about who I am, and my mom really appreciates that, and I think I was so resentful to her for not being what I thought was a better role model or a better mother. And now I'm realizing as I'm an, as I'm a grown woman, like what the struggles are that she went through. And like, I was birthed with those. Like my, Mm -hmm. I I carry my mom's guilt about not getting to do the things that she's not guilt, but you know, the, the regret or or the shame or the guilt of, of not getting what she wanted. And it's like, it's, it's a heavy thing once you realize that, but it's also like I can see her in such a more beautiful light now because she did the best that she could with what she had. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, it's a, and, and you know, her and I talk now and we've, we've made beautiful amends to like the pain that there existed for years. And I think I walk around villainizing women often, like, and feeling like a victim. And I think it's such an easy place to go to because for me at least, and now I'm trying to appreciate things differently, I guess. Well, whenever we go through that series of reflections where we can see our caretakers in a different light, we start to soften with our own internal judgments because we are projecting this expectation of how they could have done things better or you know, the way we wanted it. And there's very often a lot of truth in that, but yeah. they're also only human, right? which means that so are we. Yeah. And then that judgment shifts and it, it, it starts to soften our own inner critical narratives, our own harsh expectations. And when these things start to soften and, and you know, in the glorious situation where a relationship with a caretaker can become more positive and more intimate, I think that that adds an even extra element to help support the growth of female friendships. But very often we have to go back to those places and these first female relationships and take a look at what happened there. And like mm-hmm. you said, like what did you inherit from your mom who she did do the best that she could? Because mm-hmm. look at what she had to grow up with. Yeah. You know? And I'm sure that if she knew how to to serve you better, to support you better. She would have if she had those resources mm-hmm. and knowledge at the time, but she didn't. And mm-hmm. she did give things away as women before her and before them and before them. And we're, we're really just on a long lineage of women not able to fulfill kind of just their lives in any meaningful way. 
so we're all as women walking around <laughs> carrying this baggage whatever everyone having a different story but a similar story mm-hmm. and until we can be soft with the caretakers and and i just want to take a moment to say you know in case anyone's listening who has a particularly bad relationship with a caretaker where there was extreme mishandling or misconduct like it doesn't mean forgiving someone at all it just means being able to not define ourselves by the way our caretakers treated us and realize that's a separate issue than who we are but when we begin to soften into that that inner judgment starts to shift and then the judgment we project onto other women begins to shift and we begin to have compassion and when we can come it's so cliche but it is really true that when we can find ourselves and sometimes it's fleeting in these places of compassion then we can build a better friendship because you know sometimes you don't text me back right away sometimes Mm -hmm. I don't hear from you for weeks yeah but I also know what that's like and I don't need the validation from you to make me feel okay for who I am because I'm able to source that for myself yeah and so when I'm in that place then I can respect that maybe you're not and you're doing what you need to do and I respect that you're doing the caretaking that you can right now. Mm-hmm. So I hear from you when I hear from you. Yeah. It's not a problem. There's right. never a judgment. Right. And hopefully you know that and feel that and I think sometimes that can be triggering for someone to also know that, to be like, oh, fuck, they don't, you know, <laughs> like it's yeah. it's a whole nother thing. Totally. But you sit with that uncomfortableness. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you still know that when you're ready to reach out, you can. Yeah. And that is a really healthy sort of just in general archetype yeah. that we can all, again, I'm going to use that phrase, soften into. Mm-hmm. There's something very nurturing and cherishing about that. It's, you know, I'm not going anywhere, going anywhere yeah. because it's not a competition. I'm not easily offended. And if something came up, we would have a conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And there'd be a chance for each party to be able to discuss what's going on. And if we decided that didn't work, we could part our ways like adults. Absolutely. Yeah. And then this is what makes female friendships so gorgeous because I'm not worried that you're going to cheat on me, for example, or like hurt my feelings that way. It's really just trusting that if there's something to be brought up, you'll bring it up. Yeah. And I've noticed in my life that it's through having to have had those conversations with other women friends that I've learned the insane value of that. On that note, we're going to take a quick break. So as the boys would say, uh, go grab yourself some biscuits and zect, and then we will return to finish out our conversation with the lovely Claire. And yeah, so don't change that dial. You are listening to the Tipsy Bear Radio Podcast. Welcome back to Tipsy Bear Radio. I'm your trusty producer, Danielle. Thank you for joining me today for this amazing conversation that we're having with Claire so far. There are many more interviews to come. We will um, continue on where we left off in the break. Um, Again, we're talking about female friendships. I hope even if you aren't a female-identifying person, um, that you can still find some some value in what we're talking about because it it really does relate to across the board. So um, I'm going to let Claire take it away. Um, I've noticed this year there's a couple of girlfriends who would be the friends that I wouldn't talk to for, you know, maybe nine months or whatever, you know, because of moving and being in a different country in the time zone. And because of the lockdowns, um, 
making some space to have a couple of other friends where we have weekly or a couple times a month, um, like Zoom conversations or whatever, so we can see each other. And those relationships have actually evolved in such a gorgeous way because there's been so much growth happening over the last year and so much difficulty over the last year. Like I, you know, I'm a pretty optimistic and positive person, but that doesn't mean in any way that I don't have pain or suffer or have breakdowns or anything else. Um, And to be able to um, kind of have these check-ins and to, to lean into those friendships even more right now has been really amazing. And I can feel how these girlfriends and these these friendships these bonds have kind of supported each other especially during a time that's so you know unknowable right now there's yeah. just so much uncertainty but what's certain is our friendship what's certain is that we're showing up for each other what's certain is that we're making space to have bad days we're making space to change we're making space to reflect each other to listen to um able to evolve a little bit yeah definitely I had a friendship really deepen and I hadn't I had my own triggers against a way a certain girlfriend of mine is so sensitive so empathetic so like her her little (laughs) antennae are just really aware of everything she's super androgynous so very often passes for a man Mm -hmm. and so she's used to people kind of paying attention to her and she's had to in her life had to become very sensitive to her surroundings for her own safety. Yeah. And in that space, that means that she's sort of, you know, when we've done little trips together or whatever, she, she's always like, are you okay? Is this okay? Da, da, da. She's always checking in. And that used to be really hard for me to hear. I'd be like, yo, chill. Like, I'm good. Like, trust that I'll tell you. But she has had her own anxieties around that because she's afraid, etc. We won't go down all of that. But just to say that my own things and her things would sometimes trigger each other because yeah. I was sort of like, just trust that I'll tell you if something's going up and now yeah. you're just annoying me because you keep asking me yeah. if everything's okay. And what what's sort of happened in this time period is I softened a little bit more into how she wanted to show up. And I um, asked myself if I could have a little less resistance around whatever she has coming up. And then I asked myself, what what resistance did I have against what was coming up for me? Mm-hmm. Which was, she was very often showering me with so much reflection and so much love that I didn't want to hear it because I'm used to being that person, not getting it the other way, yeah. not having someone sit and really hear what I'm saying. That's like not a therapist, you know, but like a friend. Right, right. Who's, you know, the sort of ultimate cheerleader. And I remember one um, talk that we had where I really just listened to what she was reflecting back to me. And it just, it was like a salve and a balm and the perfect bath and, and all of the things where I was like, I feel so seen and heard in a way that is so much more beautiful than me kind of having to remind myself of that. That's amazing. Like, yeah. I got myself out of that isolation. Yeah. And to have it be from another friend just just proves like how much strength there is in having a community of our female friends. Right. Because there is something very meaningful in the way that we reflect each other, something really yeah. tender. Mm-hmm. And having more than just one friend to lean on, having our little little coven of friends. Yeah, I love that, yeah. You know? That's great. Because not everyone is always available. It's very and true. Yeah. I think that, you know, as friendships can grow to know that you have these different people to reach out to and they have you um 
everyone sees us differently, you know, and it's like, I can ask you to take a picture of me and I can ask Nina to take a picture of me and I can ask, you know, Ryan to take a picture of me and everyone's going to, I'm going to look different in every single Absolutely. picture because yeah, all yeah. of you see me differently. I'll mm-hmm. take a selfie and I'll look yeah. great because selfies are there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think yeah. it's the same way with our friendships. The, the people that we have that we really trust are going to reflect something differently to us. So then we also have this possibility to really deepen our sense of self yeah and what a strength that is it's gorgeous yeah that's what female friendships should ideally be doing is lifting each other up so that we can overthrow the shitty world we live in. <laughs> we were talking about female friendships and and how important they are and uh also how we get to the places that we are and understanding ourselves as females and we're going to wrap up the conversation and talk about some ways that you can take the things that you heard us talk about today and hopefully, you know, you can relate to some of them or, you know, you can share in these feelings that other people are having. And I'm going to defer to Claire to talk some more about the kind of collective trauma that we're all experiencing right now and how rough it is and how we should, you know, we can be honest about those things and like some more actionable things that we can do to help ourselves this time. Yeah. A really interesting way to define... Sorry, Judy's dancing around. For those of you who know, my small dog is dancing around, so (laughs) pardon her dancing. Um, An interesting way or a wonderful way, I think, to define trauma is too much too fast. Mm -hmm. And although things feel very slow right now, I think, for a lot of people in the world, that sense of uncertainty makes us feel very ungrounded. (laughs) Keep going, sorry. And, um, And we are in the middle of a, of a big collective trauma. Mm-hmm. And we, part of the, the, the fact of that is that we don't know how things are gonna turn out and what the world is gonna look like afterwards. Yeah. Like after 9-11, we never traveled the same, yeah. right? A lot of people's lives have been turned upside down and for some people it's, it hasn't been as difficult. But I think what I can say in my own observation with experience with clients and friends is that we've had a lot of time for a reflection on one one level or another, whether we've chosen to, to take the time for that or it's been thrust upon us. And so in that sense, to talk about how it's uncomfortable right now, mm-hmm. things are just uncomfortable. Even I think for people who things are going relatively well, there's still some sense of uncomfortableness. And there's that idea of just being comfortable with uncomfortableness. And that's about being in the present moment. Mm-hmm. And that's also about how when a lot of things are going on, what we can always do is just to recenter ourselves for what's true right now and what's the next little step that I can take. And in friendships, a way that we can show up is to even be able to say, hey, I just wanted to have a conversation about our friendship and I wanted to talk about if there's a, have I been showing up for you in, in ways that make you feel supportive? Or if a friend is, you know, calling up or texting, communicating that something's going on for them to have this idea of choice in the way that we respond. For example, do you want me to just be supportive and listen or do you want me to offer some possible ways that you could move forward mm-hmm. so that we're being available to either, you know, what does that person need? Do you need me to just listen mm-hmm. and hold space for you? Yeah. Do you need me to make jokes? 
do you need me to to maybe give you some some options that I can see from what you're saying some mm-hmm. feedback for yeah. example and even just having that conversation opens up the possibility to, to to know that in the future you could also say that when you call up a friend and say hey like I'm going through a lot right now are you available to listen I'd really like some advice or I really just need someone to hear me right now I just need to cry I just need to be angry I just need to whatever so that there's that idea of just communicating and mm-hmm. saying stating our needs and in that, on a deeper level, we really are talking about boundaries and we're talking about getting clear with what we desire in our relationships. And, and, and that work also means that we have to be clear within ourselves. Yeah. So there, it's, it's very layered and it's such a rich experience. And a lot of it is, again, this idea of just softening into the moment, what's present here. Right. I love that. That's beautiful. <laughs> um, I highly encourage, uh, if you have the means, to check out um, Claire's work online. She, um, she on, a, on a very basic level, she offers um, tarot readings. She offers um, aura portraits. Um, she also offers really beautiful, wonderful energy healings. And a lot of her work is also bespoke. So if you have needs, you can talk to her. And, and she can tailor something to what it is that you're looking for. And... Um, she works with people remotely. She also works with people directly in Berlin. Um, but I would highly suggest that you check it out because her work is really amazing. And at some point in the near future, Claire will have her own podcast <laughs> where you can hear her talk more about um, the things that she works with and how she can help. And uh, as somebody who has been, uh, not just as a friend, but as a client, deeply affected and impacted in a most positive way, I highly suggest this is my four-star rating. Um, Claire, can you tell them where they can find you on Instagram or yes. online? At Annabelle Zenith. Um, online website, Instagram too. What you'll find online or on Instagram is very limited. I just have the basics, sort of a la carte stuff, but I do offer um, like a discovery call for anyone who wants to just talk to me. And very often that just leads to sort of coming up with utilizing whatever I have in my toolkit to be able to serve you and what you need so yeah it's um and for men and women like I I know plenty of men that I have sent her way that have felt totally changed by their experience with her so if you're a man listening to this episode good on you (laughs) um but also know that the work is not just limited to females and and all of this conversation today has been something for me as a female that I wanted to discuss with another female, but this is a conversation that is important for everybody. 100%. So, um, and I highly suggest if you are a man listening to check her out as well, like her work is amazing and, and uh, one of a kind for sure. Thank you, Debbie. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, all right, so we're going to take a quick break. Uh, thank you again to Claire Childers. You can find her under Annabelle Zenith on Instagram. All will be linked in uh, on our Instagram as well. Um, so stick around, go grab yourself a coffee, a drink, take a moment to reflect on the beautiful words you just heard. Um, but please come back because there's more to come and, uh, yeah, it's the Tipsy Bear Radio podcast. And in case you hadn't heard earlier, check us out on Instagram. It's at Tipsy Bear Radio. Um, feel free to send me an email. It comes to all three of us. I love mail. It's tipsybearradio at gmail.com and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Tipsy Bear Radio. This is your producer, Danielle. Um, I am continuing my series this week about women 
who I like, who I admire, who I look up to, and I'm here with my friend Maria, who is an accomplished opera singer with the Komisch Opera in Berlin. She's also a freelancer, and uh, she's working to mix uh, all kinds of music and styles, and uh, yeah, she's here today to chat with me about what it's like being Maria. Yay! <laughs> Welcome! <laughs> Thank you! Um, yeah, so uh, again, like, the show is all kind of about what the female perspective is for me. We're celebrating Women's History Month. The guys aren't here with us this week because they took a uh, back seat to me leading the show, which has been really exciting. Um, so, yeah, I just kind of want to dive right in and, yeah. like, tell Let's me. Take the stage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, what do you want to know? So, um, Maria, you recently had a baby. Yes. She's adorable. I became a mother. Yeah. And you're you're now in the process, obviously, like, the opera is shut down because of the pandemic. But, you know, you're working on possibly when it reopens. Yeah, it's basically a back and forth of are we going to open or not? Is this production going to happen or not? Uh, Can we at least rehearse? Yeah. Um, That's where we're at now. And it doesn't really look good at the moment. It might happen because we're now in the third wave, as they call it. So it might happen that we are shut down again. Yeah. Um, But still, you know, you try to keep working and you try to be hopeful. And uh, hopefully we can at least do something yeah. to keep creating. Yeah. Um, what's it like for you now that you've had the baby and you're like working towards going back to not your old life, but, yeah. you know. It's been a crazy year for me because of, for everyone, of course. But for me, it was also kind of a blessing to be pregnant and be completely busy with that. Yeah. And this whole like FOMO that that a lot of pregnant women have when they got pregnant, get pregnant, and they can't really do anything anymore. I didn't have that because none of us could any could do anything right. anymore. All right. the bars were closed. I didn't have to miss out on anything. And where other artists were very much panicking and and very stressed out about their work, I didn't really want to work because I was so much in my own pregnancy bubble and yeah. growing this baby. And then also when she was born, now almost five months ago. I could have my mother, uh, uh, how do you say that in English? Mutterschutz in German. Yeah. So it's my like maternity, maternity leave, maternity yeah, leave yeah, and all yeah. of that. So I was in this really nice bubble of being a mother, pregnancy, and this whole COVID thing kind of passed me by a little bit work-wise. Yeah. Up until a few weeks ago where I started working again and kind of preparing for what's to come. And then I also was hit with this whole idea of, oh, no, shit, actually my, my job is not existent at the moment. Yeah. Um, so that's the first time that I really started noticing the negative effects in my work of yeah. COVID because yeah. I've been out of the running for a whole year. Right. Pretty crazy. And especially as an opera singer, as a singer, it's, uh, you, you need to kind of, you know, upkeep your instrument, your voice. Right. And I have not really done that a lot. So I'm now really much in the process of just doing exercises vocally and mm-hmm. making sure the voice is in place and preparing for what's to come if yeah. there is anything to come right, exactly yeah. yeah it's a scary time it is it is and yeah. it's also very weird i think colleagues of mine in the opera as well they are saying right now what are we actually rehearsing for if we don't really know if we can perform it right because the rehearsals sometimes take place and they do want to have something prepared in case the opera opens again yeah but that is a whole different mindset of working if you don't even know that you're going to really put it on the on the big stage yeah so that's a little bit of a weird time um, and then next to that, for me, comes juggling it with the baby and right. and making sure that she's well taken care of. And then it becomes hard that there's no family around in Berlin. And also it's not really possible for family to come and visit right yeah, now with the situation. Yeah. So uh, that's been quite a full on um, motherhood job already. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, I think you and I talked about this separately from the podcast the other day, but it's often like a conversation among women who become mothers and then want to go back into the workforce or, you know, um, you know, go back into the career that they had previously Mm -hmm. or pursue something else outside of being a mom. And it's, there's a lot of uh, shame that I think comes from society or yeah. question about how women can do both. Yeah. Or ha- how, how can we have it all? It's actually funny that the question is asked yeah. because men never get asked that question. Never, never. Can you do both? They no. will just be a father and also a businessman or something. Yeah. Exactly. And for women, it has to be an achievement if we can do both, which yeah. of course it is. But yeah. the fact that it's asked and the fact that we have to really fight for that is actually already quite strange because yeah. you would imagine that if you have a baby with your partner, it's an equal job. Right. So both of them have to make it work and have to juggle to do work and, and parenthood. So, yeah, um, yeah that's going to be a very interesting thing to see. Luckily, I have an amazing partner who it is equal with. So yeah. I, I don't think I'll have problems there. But um, yeah, especially the first first year I think of being a mother you're quite tied to your baby especially when you're breastfeeding Um, that makes it very difficult to go back to work full-time anyway plus you have of course the whole pregnancy with with uh, maternity leave before you even uh, give birth so I think if you have a baby as a working woman you could think that you're really out of the running definitely for half a year or so maybe even longer and uh, and that's that's tough. Uh, where do you pick up from where you left off then, right. you know? And how do you keep your quality? How do you make sure your, your work is the same as it was before? Maybe it's even better, who knows? Yeah, because yeah. it gives you a lot of experience and a lot of wisdom as well, I think, to right. become a mother. But um, for me, that's all that all remains to be seen. I'm really at the beginning of this. So yeah. um, my working life is going to start very soon. And then we'll see how I can yeah. how I can combine it. Um, as a as a single woman without children, and I don't know for myself if that's something that I necessarily want or mm-hmm. will have in my life, I wonder if your feelings about being a mom and having a career changed after you became a mom. Like, what you thought it would be like. Yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously it changes because you now have a child. Yeah. And like, no, it definitely, process, it, it definitely changes perspective. I mean, I was a very career-driven person yeah. before. Right. Um, and I think I still am, but it has become less because I see now that I have a baby, uh, for some reason, it's just shifted completely to yeah. her. Right. Um, but this is also what we talked about the other day. Yeah. I am not one of these mothers who think that that is all that my life is going to be from now on. And I still feel this very strong drive and a very strong fire inside of me that also wants to do uh, things apart from being a mother. Yeah. And um, I'm very happy, actually, that that's still there because it would be a shame if I have to kind of give up my my entire career for this baby. And um, apart from that, also what we talked about already, which I think is very beautiful, is that as a as a girl, maybe because it's I have a girl, baby girl, I think it's very important for her to see that her mother will be always there for her Mm -hmm. and she will take care of her. And I want her to feel safe and taken care of and and, and get all the attention that she needs. But I also want her to see that she has a strong mom who also works and that is very important to work and to also make a contribution in the world and and to really kind of leave your mark. And um, yeah, that's also very, that's actually a beautiful lesson that you can give your baby as well. Yeah. So yeah, it has to be, it has to be a combination. But I do think in certain ways, the, 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 the hunger that I had before for my career and this kind of need to do it and to go to the highest level and to really bust myself for it, 
I think that has changed a little bit. And I think that's actually in a good way because yeah. I've become a little bit more slowed down and a little bit more forgiving about myself. Also the mistakes or the perfectionist that I was still, of course, in singing, I have to be. But the choices that I make in my career, they don't have to be so... Um, all important, a hundred thousand percent focused on that. Yeah. And, and that gives a little bit of peace as well in my mind, which is good. That's great. Did you have a strong um, mother figure? Was your mom like, was she career driven as well? Like, did you have a strong yeah, my, female figure in your life yes. that also led this? Actually, yes. My mother That's is amazing. a singer as well. Oh, wonderful. And uh, she was in, a, in a, like an ensemble, singing ensemble that actually toured the world. So I remember as a child, uh, when I was in primary school, my mom would be on tour maybe for three times in a year and she yeah. would be away for three weeks or so and my father would do everything by himself. Yeah. So he would be the father that just also cooks and washes and, and I come from a small village where the women there that then would pick me up or th my father would pick me up from school and the yeah. women, other mothers were like, my God, you also do laundry and they were completely shocked that yeah. my father did that as well. Because none of the well. other men would do that. Not really, no, yeah. no. It was kind of a old-fashioned town actually yeah. if you think about it. But um, yeah, my mom was away for long stretches and also back then you didn't have Skype or FaceTime or anything so right. we would maybe speak to her on the phone once or twice and yeah. she always would bring gifts and I remember we could we get to keep a, a diary in my in my class in primary school where I could write down every day what I was doing just yeah. to see my to, you know for my mom to read it afterwards That's cool. yeah but I was always um it was always oh wow what is the happening there <laughs> oh anyway um where did I, where did I lift up? You're talking about um, your mom being away. Yeah. 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 It was always, it, it was never weird to me. I think as a kid, you just take how it comes to you. You don't know any better. So yeah. I saw my mom as a singer and I saw her on stage and I saw her in beautiful dresses and, and, and really like the stage live and everything yeah. that probably also inspired me to want to do the same. Right. But um, yeah, she was always a very strong mother figure and working woman. I think that's great. The in the last interview that I had um, on, on this episode, mm -hmm. we actually and we were talking about female friendships, but we also talked about um, maternal figures and how it sort of shapes. Well, obviously, how you are as a woman or what you become as a woman, but it also shapes your relationships with other women. Yeah. And I, I had said in the last interview that I didn't grow up. I mean, my mother was a fantastic mom, but she. She was a mom of five. She struggled with being having a career and being a mother mm -hmm. and. You know, she and this was back, you know, in like the 90s and yeah. she felt a lot of shame for going back into being in yeah. her career and she never really got to see that. And so I think for me, it, it was a struggle to grow up. I mean, that's also why I think maybe shaped why I'm probably not as keen on being a mom or I don't see it because it's I didn't necessarily see these positive no, ways to do it. No, you saw it more as a prison or something that would limit you a lot. Yeah, because I, I think my mom was really she struggled with the choices that she had made to become a mother, which she was very young when she had her first children. Yeah. And then, you know, she had been divorced and then married my father and then had me and my younger sister. And she was with men who didn't really see the point in wow. have, uh, supporting her career, her choices. And yeah. she took a, a backseat to their careers and, and what they wanted. And she, her first husband was like right out of high school. Oh, wow. And so she gave up, she left university so that he could study and then she could have the kids. And, you know, I think it was 
without her necessarily saying it, yeah. I could always sense there was this like deep yeah. sadness that she couldn't. I do think. Both. I mean, back then it was always the woman who had to sacrifice something in yeah. order to raise the kids. Right. And uh, ho- luckily, nowadays in, in in a lot of countries that has changed. Yeah. So both and also governments of countries are making it much more easy for the men to also take some time off. Yeah. Which makes it, of course, more easy for a couple than to do it together. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it must be a crazy time back then to really be a mom and only a mom. And yeah. that is expected of you. Yeah. And the other hopes and dreams that you might have had are just kind of pushed aside. Yeah. But you also see a lot of women, I think, when they are a little bit older, like in their 50s or 40s, that they actually wanted to have a second career or they they, they take a different path and they, they renew themselves in a way because they want to have that life that they maybe couldn't have before because they were right. raising children. Right. Yeah, it's an interesting interesting thing for sure. Do you think that, I mean, quite obviously, obviously it would be more difficult if you were alone or didn't have a supportive partner, but do you think for that sure. obviously plays a big... Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I really think also, I mean, if you have the luxury to hire help, that is also, of course, a huge, huge, uh, yeah, huge help that, yeah. Will, that will help you tremendously. But... Um, and I think also Dennis, my partner, and I, we are planning to do that in the future. And luckily, German has a great system. I mean, we can send our baby to kindergarten when she's already only one year old. Yeah, yeah. So that will give us at least five days a week uh, during the day that we have time for ourselves again and that we can yeah. work and all of that. So that's great. But I think also next to that, we don't have family that lives in the city here. So we have to also hire help right. to make sure um, we get by because I don't think it's possible without yeah, the it's systems in Germany, for our listeners that are not in Europe, they're so much better than in the States. And yeah. The States is still struggling with, like, I think the maternity leave, like, legally has is only, like, six weeks six to eight weeks. Yeah, that's crazy. And some companies now will offer a longer period of time, but I think the longest I've heard about is six months, whereas... Yeah. Germany is, what, like, at least a year? So or? me and my partner can both take together 14 months of paid leave okay or i can take the double amount myself yeah. so we can kind of choose between the two of us like who's taking what mm-hmm. and you can also take this time up till the third year of life of your kid so yeah. for instance i have now taken my maternity leave from let's say january to now yeah but it could happen that after summer i want to actually take two months again right and then i can just say yeah i'm going to go into my maternity leave again and and that is just the most ideal way yeah and if you then get 70 or 80 percent of your normal salary paid then that's an amazing way to yeah. do it i mean it also like i think gives some i mean i'm going to assume here because i'm not a mom but mm. some much needed like bonding time definitely, with your child definitely yeah and that is of course in this situation for me it's been especially for my baby it's been actually a complete luxury because of the opera closing down and and me and my partner we're both musicians we didn't have much work going on so we have been at home with our baby for the first five months of her life and that is something you hardly ever hear that you have both your mom and your dad around so that has been kind of a magical time we've been in our bubble and just you know being together with her how exhausting it also might have been sometimes but still of course it's actually a beautiful thing yeah 
seeing the two of you parent is so cute. <laughs> like, you. and and the balance that you share with the baby. And yeah. Like, it, your lives seem very much the same before the the, the baby well, was born. Well, definitely I mean, put our put our life upside down, especially in the beginning, and yeah. and when you have a first child, also everything that happens is it freaks you out because right. you just don't really know yet. And and I think if you have a second one you kind of don't sweat it anymore because you've seen it before. But we also, the two of us, we, we were so shit scared in the beginning when something seemed to be wrong, which it wasn't. But you think all these things, you become so paranoid. And yeah, and then, uh, you know, the nights and sleep deprivation, that is also something that I had never, I've really underestimated that. What that does to your psyche, yeah. sleep deprivation and not sleeping, it is really insane. Yeah, And uh, it's that is actually something... I read another or I listened to another podcast the other day about babies sleeping and, and how, how you train them and all of that. But yeah. there was also a thing said about what sleep deprivation does to the parents and how sleeping is always seen as a luxury, which is weird because it is a primary uh, need of our lives. Like right. it is something super, super basic. We all need sleep. If you don't sleep, you die. Yeah, so if somebody says I'm tired and people are like, oh, don't be such a baby about it. It's actually super weird because being tired is really not okay. Yeah. Because it is, it, I've, I've now experienced that firsthand when I am not sleeping enough, I literally feel depressed yeah. and, and I, I don't really have any positivity or positive outlook on things, which is yeah. weird because I'm a crazy optimistic yeah, person. Yeah. So, and it really also struck me like, I, why am I feeling this way? And then I had a good night and I couldn't even reach that feeling of the day before anymore. Like yeah. it was gone because I had a good night's sleep. Yeah, it really so, changes things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is something that I'm also very curious about if I go back to work full time again. And I have bad nights because there will always be bad nights right. with a baby. Yeah. And then I have to do a show in the evening. I am very, very... Um, terrified and scared and, and, and interested in how I'm going to get that done. But yeah. um, we'll see. Yeah, that's we'll beautiful. See. <laughs> um, would you have any, um, you know, obviously like there's men and w women listening to the episode, but is there any kind of like words of wisdom now that you've become a mom or you're going through the process mm. of, you know, transitioning back into your career for anybody listening that they can take yeah. or, or even if it's not another mother or, you know, just anything that, you know, I yeah. think a lot of women are in a space where they're going through yeah. a challenging time, yeah. no matter what it yeah. is. I think generally, and this has been a very strong feeling of mine also before I became a mom, but I think it is extra important to me right now. I was always very much aware of the light in life, basically. And yeah. I always want to bring light I think especially in these times, it is very important that we keep on going towards the light, yeah. that we create the light in other people. Um, when I go into myself and my creativity, there is always light. And now that I've become a mom, and this is going to sound super spiritual, but I, I think I want to give her that light as well. She needs to have it and she needs to feel it. So that she can pass it on as well. And, I, and, and that can mean whatever it means. And you can manifest that light in whatever way you want to. Yeah. But it is a certain, a certain spark, a certain feeling that I really um, value in my life and in my personality. And I really think uh, if my baby girl can have that as well, 
that would be then I've really um, yeah. reached a good goal. Well, being around you in general, people feel that light. I oh, can say for sure. Thank you. So I'm sure she's going to be just fine. <laughs> yeah. I hope so. Well, thank you so much for You're sitting down welcome. with this me. You're more than welcome. This was fun. Yeah, I really appreciate this. Um, so I, again, I'm here with Maria. Uh, I'll put a link to your Instagram. Sure. So find yes. you and yes, hear yes. You, your beautiful voice. Thank um, you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but thanks again, Maria. I really appreciate thanks, this. Thanks, Danielle. All right. All right, well, on that note, we're going to take our final break of the show, and I'm going to come back with, we're going to flip it upside down. There's going to be a gentleman on the show, a good friend of ours, and uh, he's going to he's gonna share with, with us some of his experiences from the male perspective um, about women in the workplace and the imbalance that exists. And we're going to talk about ways to serve as an ally, how you can help, and, and sometimes it's the little things. So, please don't go away. We write back. It's the Tipsy Bear Radio Podcast. Welcome back to Tipsy Bear Radio. I'm your producer, Danielle. And I'm here again this week talking about all things women. And you'll notice that my co-hosts are not with me today because they have been so kind to take a back seat and let the woman be in charge this week. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, not really. Um, no, they, uh, they're they not on this episode this week, um, which has been great and also hard because they're, they're greatly missed. But um, hopefully you've enjoyed the interviews you've heard so far. Some really great females in my life that I look up to and have, have shared some really beautiful stories. Um, so uh, as my third and final interview of this installment, um, I have my friend Kenny on. Say hi, Kenny. Hi there. Um, if you're an avid listener, you'll remember that Kenny just recently recorded his own bonus episode for the anniversary of the Tipsy Bear Berlin Bar in Berlin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, he's one of the owners, and uh, you know he shared some really great, funny insights to the bar. So he's also one of my very close friends and uh, a lover of women, not sexually, but... Um, so I wanted to bring him on today to talk about, um, some of the women that he has looked up to or helped shape him. And also, uh, we wanted to talk about a topic that a lot of females experience. And I think it's really important to hear from men who have experience alongside them and, and, you know, can, uh, be an ally, so to speak, with them or, you know, validate the experience, so to speak. Um, so without further ado, hi, Kenny. Hey there. How's it going? Good. How are you? Happy, is it, woman, is it? International Women's Month? Is it the month? No, it's Women's History Month. It's sorry. It's Women's History Month. We had okay. International Women's Day earlier in the right, month, right. but we are, that's, that's why we're doing this episode. And I was annoyed out. by that. Because I don't think it should just be one day. <laughs> no, there shouldn't actually be just one month. It shouldn't just be one month, right? No, it's that's like it's always a challenge, right? Because what is it, Men's Day every other day? Correct. So that's how it works. Correct. Yeah. And most of our 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 holidays and and things that we uh, have grown up to, you know, we celebrate Jesus for Christmas and we celebrate St. Patrick for St. Patrick's Day and we celebrate Columbus for Columbus Day and yeah, that murderer. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it goes the list goes on. So yeah. there there are very few. Um, Opportunities, I would say, to celebrate, appreciate, and 
uh, understand what you know what women what they've done for us as society what not even as what they've done for us as society the fact that they created us yeah <laughs> and, yeah yeah and everything on the earth is created um, from the female species and I think that just having you know this opportunity and it should not just be one month it should be much more than that yeah it's always interesting to me when I meet men who are cheers. cheers when I meet men whether they're heterosexual homosexual however they identify I've come across a lot of men who hate women and like or they don't know how to connect with women and it always baffles me because you came from a woman right like even even if you don't love your own mother, right? Like still a woman created you or in part with your father obviously, but like it's just it's never made sense to me that men would just blatantly hate women. Right. Yeah. And I I've noticed a lot of that as well. Um you know, coming also working, you know, not only at the bar but uh coming from the corporate world, you would see it all the time, you know, and and I think that um, a lot of it is maybe the way someone was raised where, you know, a woman is subservient and they're supposed to do this, this, and this, and the men is supposed to do, you know. I was fortunate to grow up in a household where my mom, who is, is someone that I look up to, and unfortunately I didn't realize that it was this way in the world until I got out into the corporate world. Um, that, because my mom, you know, we would joke and my mom was the breadwinner in our house, right? Did your mom work in like a corporate type job? She did, okay. yes, she did. And, but she, she was the breadwinner and she was the one who... You know, had a, a larger salary than dad, and um, so both your parents worked. Right? Both my parents okay. worked, okay. correct? Yeah, but financially, as she far was as making more money. That she was making more okay. money. Uh, maybe one would say that because she worked in this corporate, this massive conglomerate, and you know, she was the secretary to the C the CEO of the company, so oh, wow. she was like in a higher up position or whatever. Yeah, definitely. Um, that you know, she had a little bit more of a glamorous job than dad did, and so, um, you know. I grew up in a house where I just didn't think anything of it. I didn't realize that women were looked down upon where they weren't given the same salaries or the same raises or promotions and things like that. And mm. also they were sexualized and abused and from that sense where, yeah. you know, it was blatantly told that, well, if you sleep with me or I sleep with your friend or something like that, then maybe you'll get your promotion or you'll get your, you know, yeah. or maybe you cover for me because you know that I'm cheating on my wife. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and if you don't do that, then it's, you know, um, so yeah, it's 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 definitely interesting from my perspective. Um, I feel because mom was the breadwinner; she was the one who, you know, brought in brought home the bacon, so to say. And I just assumed that this was not a thing until I actually got out into the corporate world, and saw you know one, one another another very. Did your mom ever experience that? Did she ever share you know, that? I with never you? I never heard her talk about it. I yeah. never heard her say it, or I never heard You're her. You're not supposed you know, to talk about it. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. She never really talked about it. She never. You know, I'm sure it happened. Uh, but also my mom was very reserved and conservative and things like that. And so I think she just gave off this vibe as well that you're not going to have these conversations with me or you're not going to treat me this way or you're not going to, you know. Um, I think a lot of times, you know, me coming into the corporate world, I would hear... Hey. I would hear um, why women need to be bitchy, right? Like that was well, a was, complaint about women? Or? It was, yeah, why do women have to be so bitchy and why do they have to be so... Emotional. Emotional and why do they have to be... And I, th and I think a lot of, of males, they use this as armor or they use this as... Um, that's what I'm looking for. As, like a uh, defensive thing? Uh, no, maybe not a defensive thing. They use it as a rationale or reason yeah. to put women down. Well, it's a form of oppression. It's, it's It's a statement of oppression. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one one of the people's that one of the people's one of the individuals that I really admire is one of my um, 
my directors who, when I first started my company, she was a director who basically signed my contracts and she signed everything for me over at one of my, uh, my bigger clients. And, you know, she was also really up there. Mm-hmm. And she was one of the few people that I didn't hear people would say, oh, so-and-so is a bitch or she's, you know, nasty or she's emotional and she's, you know, and she was very, she was very well-respected and she was, you know, and I always wondered, I said, what did Carol do to get that appreciation, that respect from people? You know, and it was basically... Like across the board, like nobody talked about it behind her back, board, like they were all respectful to her face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Could you figure it out? Uh, <clears throat> it was the fact that she never let things bother her. She never let things really get to her. She mm. was kind of saying, I have a job to do, and I'm going to base all of my, my things with facts, and I'm going to, you know, back everything up. Um, but I did realize she had to do that, right? Versus if a male came in and said, we need to do this, this, and this. They would say, oh, great idea, Ray. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Carol would do it, and she would now she would automatically know that she would have to bring presentations, and she would have to bring numbers, have to and she would have to bring things, and she'd have things. Yeah. She'd have to have everything backed up in order for her to yeah. get that recognition and that, you know. And, and I think over years and years of doing that, you know, she taught herself how to get past this male misogynistic society in the corporate world, of you know. I wonder if it's still. I mean, I I wonder. I mean, obviously, it sounds like she had to build up this armor around her, right? Fifteen years. Yeah, and you can't. And at that point, you can't let anything penetrate, even though. And you have to be like overly prepared, which, in my opinion, just fucking sucks to Mm -hmm. no end. And I guess that made her earn their respect because she didn't have any like outward feelings about things. I feel as though she had to earn her respect and she had to repress her feelings, her emotions, her aggravations of, you know, her mom had passed away during the time or whatever and I was the only one that she talked about it to, right? Which is a really tough thing where if she came in crying or whatever, people say, oh, there goes a woman again being emotional and, you know, and so unfortunately she had to do that versus there were men who, (laughs) you know, I'll never forget a story of, of, of one of the directors or one of her colleagues um, had an affair on his wife, and then he took the week off because he was dealing with family issues. And it's like, well, wait a minute here. Well, because his wife caught him she, cheating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, but but he took what the week the off. Fuck? He took the week off, and it was it was known that it was okay for him to take the week off because he's going through family problems, right? And everyone knew the reason with the family problems. It wasn't like a death in the family or something, you know. Yeah. It was the fact that he got caught cheating, and that was. Did all the other men know that's what it was? Yeah, everyone So they knew. were like, "It's all right, right. dude. Deal with right. your problems." Versus Carol, on the other hand, she would have to suppress things, and she would have. And it's, it's really, in my opinion, disgusting, and it's not. We're not going to say not fair, right? Because we're not on a playground, and you know, it's it's truly an awful situation. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I was lucky enough to have, like I said, my mom and someone like Carol that I was able to say, okay. <clears throat> but um, outside of them, every other woman that I worked with or experienced went through this. Mm-hmm. They had to fucking fight. They had to fight, and they had to really over overcompensate even right well, and then so. that's where when you overcompensate that gets exhausting for females mm-hmm. and then yeah you get kind of fucking bitchy and you get kind of you know you give up sometimes and you well it's not know. even bitchy it's like it's like you you've taken so much and at some point you're gonna be like you're breaking boy yeah well and i think it's it's total burnout it's total like mm-hmm. your feeling is just i mean i in my own experience i have i've Part of, so I worked for a company in Berlin um, and what I moved here for, and I moved up in that company really quickly and I was one of the very first uh, women to be on the executive team. Right. C-level team for people who understand that term. 
and what are they barking at? Oh, George. Um, and I had experienced so much of it in so many ways, like microaggressions as well. Yeah. You know, like I remember yeah. one of my first meetings coming in to it was my very first C level meeting, and it was all men. Now, mind you, these are men who would lose our shit over anything. Mm-hmm. They were spoiled brats. A lot of them were not qualified to be in their roles. I was new in it. I definitely probably wasn't as experienced as I should have been, but the comp- it was a small startup. They needed me to join. I was really good at my job. I walk in, and they go, everybody be nice. There's a woman in the room now. I'll never forget that. And then every time we would have meetings, which would happen weekly, sometimes twice a week, it would if I had a and I'm an outspoken direct person. Mm-hmm. I say what I mean, and sometimes that comes across as quote unquote bitchy. Mm-hmm. But I think what happens is is that if I expressed or challenged something, they would be like, whoa, 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 Danielle, calm down. Like, mm-hmm. and if a man, another person, could be totally irrational throw things around the room like a baby, they'd be like... Oh, yeah, we're going to listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then it would get to the point where not the same group of men because the hands of the company changed over, but I would walk into a room and they'd be like, hey, sexy lady. And when you're sexualized like that, Mm. you immediately remove all the power. Why not say, hey, you intelligent person, or you... Maybe just say, hey, Danielle also works. Hey, Danielle is fine, but also if you're going to go to the extreme of saying sexy person, why can't you just say, hey, that report that you did, or that, you know, amazing. Hey, smart girl, or hey, intelligent person. You know what I mean? It always has to be sexualized. Yeah, or, you know, they'd make comments about the things I would be wearing, or even, even if it wasn't in a positive way... You know, they talk about, like, one of the guys that owned the company at one point was quote was overheard saying, let's hire new women. All of these girls are ugly. I wouldn't fuck any of wow. them. And it's like, is, wow. that the, is, that, is that the kind of team that you would actually want? Right. And then, yeah, I mean, I think at some point it wore me down because I always, if a man came in and was like, here's my idea, like you were saying, there'd be no questions. Or if I would say something, they would be like, mm, I don't know, or they'd question me, or they'd expect me to come back with, you know, all the explanations or like a presentation. Five minutes later, this a man could say the exact same idea, and they're like, Wow, that's yeah, let's do it. Right. No questions. Right. Oh, and God forbid you as a female, if you were to poke holes in that suggestion that the male. Well, made, that's that what like, that's oh. what would happen when I did. Right. That's when it would be like, Whoa, 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 Danielle, you're being aggressive. You're being. Right. You're being catty. Like, there's all those words that uh, attach to women. Bitchy, catty, mm-hmm. right. emotional, right? They're the easiest, like, words to sling around. Right. And right. I think, so to kind of, like, move it into a different part is also, as somebody who watched a lot of females in the companies that you've worked in go through this, and also, like, obviously, Carol was... I wouldn't say a lucky one. She was probably just a tougher one and got had to, like had to be the mm-hmm. way that it was. And unfortunately, no one should have to earn their respect like that by turning off all emotions and like playing by their rules. But unfortunately, sometimes you have to. I think, like I remember being in those rooms with all of these other executives that are all men. They would hear these things and nobody would say anything. No one would say anything, right. And right. that to me was much more traumatizing and hard to swallow than the actual person who's touching me inappropriately or calling me sexy lady or telling me to shut up or telling me not to be a bitch was that there would be a room full of men who wouldn't say anything. Yeah. And yeah, when I, really and then that's... finally towards the end of my time there, I just started confronting them. 
after the meeting, I'd be like, you heard it. Why, why wouldn't you say why something? You say something? Right. And then they'd all feign like they didn't hear it. And it's yeah. like, I think it's, it's important that if you are a man or a woman for that matter, and you hear this happening, somebody should say something. But I think there's a large culture of fear. If you do, if you do challenge it, right? Like it's, yeah, that can yeah, look yeah, bad upon yeah. you. I think I think one of the most frustrating things to me is, especially when I look at someone like Carol, um, and and many other women. I think you have to spend as a woman so much time defending, and and providing receipts and providing you know justifications for the things that you're doing, that you don't actually get to really do your work. No. And I sit there and I look at Carol, someone like that, who I said I think the reason how she was able to get by was by saying you know I'm gonna have everything prepared and I'm going to have the justification. Her whole life was gonna... probably that work. Right, yeah. exactly. And that's what she had to do in order to be acknowledged and to be recognized for her hard work and for, you know, who, who she was and what she did. Um, I think that had Carol had some of that time back, she could have come up with more innovation. She could have come up with more ideas and newer things and better and more, you know, enhanced yeah. or whatever. But she instead, so she, spent, she spent 75% of her time doing busy work and yeah. justifying what a, a small thing that she was trying to Like get making past. sure she didn't have an emotional reaction or like right. question things. Yeah, right. I think it's, which like in some way, I mean, feels like it's also a form of keeping women out of, of spaces where Correct. they don't want them to be. And like, it's also, it's, it's challenging because I think a lot of men, and I experienced this myself, a lot of men, <clears throat> don't want to believe that you've earned your place on merit right? or your, or your brains or your strength. And I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who have, who have slept with somebody in an advantageous way to get to where they wanted. Right. But the fact that that's often the first thought when somebody gets a position, when a woman gets a position is kind of like the most mind boggling to me. Yeah. Like I remember for myself when I was promoted to a vice president position, the, the like people under me that I managed were like, well, we know you just fucked your way there, and it's like, wow, yeah, you know, like how, and, and you know, they be like, oh, it's a joke. I'm like, it's not funny, it's not funny, right? Because it's that's an actual thing that people think, and whether or not that particular person felt that way, it it's stuck with me since then. Yeah, right. well, why is it shocking to you that someone made it, a female made it up to the top, and yeah, like why why is that shocking to you? Why is that yeah. it could only be this? And what's even crazier too is that men will also get stuff like that, but you know how they do it? It's, oh, I went to the baseball game with the boss, or I stuck up for the boss, and I hid, you know, a secret, or I, yeah. you know, and it, it's like there's there's all these options for men to, you know, I did a line of coke with the boss, and yeah. that's how I, you know, I, oh, yeah, he's cool, I'll promote him. And literally, that's how people get promoted No, I've seen in, it, in I've seen world, it, yeah, yeah. Right? You're buddy-buddy with the boss, and guess what? You have a lot more clout. You you hide for that boss, and you there's say, no question about what your experience is. Right. If you guys, you know, pal around and get drinks after work, and or you just happen to get in with the boss, he's gonna remember you and be like, oh, you know what? That guy's a great guy. It's not a great employee. Not he's a great right. guy. Right. Right. And I think right. that that's the. Women it's almost do like have a frat boy. It. It's almost like this frat boy thing, right? And I, I think also. I have a question that I don't know if it's going to be something that could be answered now, but I think um, you know how I am, yeah. knowing me, but yeah. more solution-based, right? Yeah. And I guess for me, that's the big thing. So we, we know the issues, right? We've identified yeah. them. We just spoke about them. Um, we need to, number one, figure out solutions, but also communicate said solutions, right? right? Host workshops, host things, you know, so we, we have... You know, when you when you, if you become a police officer, you have these trainings, right, on on um, racial discrimination and and how you know 
What's the other one that they do? Like sexual harassment. Um, sexual harassment. They have all. They have all these different seminars and these. Yeah. You know, is that something that we need to do? Is that something that we need to have? That we have a seminar on how to try your best to appreciate the person for their worth as in, and value um, of how they do their reports and how they deliver their work product and how hard they work and they work in overtime and maybe the fact that yeah they have a kid on the way or they you know are going through a rough time in their lives and now you're also you know is, is there some sort of, of outlet that females can have as a solution to train people because sometimes you don't know and sometimes you don't realize it and sometimes you're in this corporate environment and you're just going through and you're going along with the boss, right? What are you going to do if you're a guy and you're a young guy who just came out of college with all your frat boys and your frat brothers and now your boss is also has this frat mentality or this, you know, I'm a male, this macho, whatever. Do you go up to that boss and say, oh, man, come on, relax, you know, lay off of her? Or do you shut up and say, this guy is going to give me my fucking promotion one day. Maybe I should shut my mouth and just deal with it. And yeah. I don't know her. I'm not, you know, and I think, and I think that's where... I have an issue because as a male, I don't have the solution, right? I, I know the examples and I saw mm -hmm. the things, right? I don't feel that everyone should be like Carol, that you have to justify every single thing you do in order no. to get where, you know, where she is and, and how the, the respect and the stature that she carries. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know what what can we do, right? I what can we do? Yeah. You know, I could say, like, you know, for, for my corporation, I, I hire all of my consultants are women, right? All of them are good. I'm sorry, three quarters of my team are consultants. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> there's really only four um, employees, five, that are, yeah. you know. And so um, so I can sit there and say, oh, I'm going to hire more women. I'm going to hire more women. But then what about the males and how are they going to treat yeah. the women, right? Because I'm not going to hire a woman just because I'm hiring a woman because that's disrespectful. I think it's absolutely disgusting. Yeah. Um, but I would... I would want to know how do I train these assholes who you know to number one respect and to and, and the fact that you have to even think of that or to train someone to do that is appalling to me. Mm -hmm. But how do we do it? How do we you know and, and that that I don't know if I have the answers for and I don't have the suggestions on how to. I don't think that this. I don't think that there is a clear cut solution. Otherwise, you know, it would be implemented. I think at this point because I think it's right. enough. Enough is enough to some degree, and it's very clear. I think what's challenging is that, I mean, you could maybe, like, it's hard because I think a lot of companies can't just make the stance that all men need to be rehabilitated or understand these things or, like, because while I hate that whole hashtag, not all men, it is not all men. Like, I'm not here to make a blanket statement that all men treat women poorly in the workplace or that... But it is, it's very well known that it, there is an imbalance. I do think that it can start in small ways. Absolutely. So if you're a man, and you, not even in the workplace, if you're out with your friends and you're, you're with a bunch of dudes and they're just talking shit about a woman, like have the courage to be like, yo, can we not talk about her like that? Right. Or don't engage, right? Or if you're working in, a, in an office right now or, or a bar or a restaurant or whatever or any, any kind of creative field, because this happens in every field, if you see it happening, you don't have to necessarily go to the boss and be like, yo, not cool, because obviously there's, like, that's not easy, but all that I had wanted when the men in that boardroom right. were hearing these things that they were saying to me, seeing my face turn bright red, not being able to speak because I was in total shock, 
all I wanted was one of them to be like, her name's Danielle. Right. Do you know what I mean? And that statement alone would have shut that guy up. Yeah. And maybe he wouldn't have said, maybe he would have said it again and it would have required another conversation. But I think it's important to say the things that don't feel comfortable because there's this like, um, I forget where I saw this, somewhere on Instagram or something, but it's like, there's this ideal that we need to protect our daughters. Right. Well, how about we teach our sons? Correct. You know, like, I think that it's important that, you know, if you have a son or you are a man, like, be teachable. And, like, there's plenty of topics about men, toxic masculinity. I don't think that it's necessarily easier for all men. But in this context, this is where it's important to be an ally in that Mm -hmm. way and just speak up. You know, like, I remember that time when I was I was on a work trip with a group of, of, of the team I was managing, and that's when that one member of the team said, oh, we probably fucked your way to the top. I heard that. There was another guy sitting there. He could have laughed uncomfortably, but he could have said, that what? Don't say, right. why would, she's Correct. your boss. You know, Correct. like, yeah. little things like that. It doesn't require a fight. It doesn't require an email. But I think that's, for me, that seems like the only clearer or the e- not the easiest because not easy always, but like that's just what you can do to start. Right, correct. I, I agree with that, and I think you said start small. We we can't not going to be able to boil the ocean, unfortunately. Um, but I think little things that we can do to, and also too, you know, even for myself, um, I, I find myself doing this. You know, when I when I first started my company, I always said I don't want I don't want people with a degree. Right? And people are like, what? What are you talking about? And I said, if you have one, great. But also, too, I want someone with experience. I want someone who, you know, who, who can speak authentically, yeah. appropriately, and things like that. And I feel as though... Because you didn't see that the, the degree necessarily meant that they were such a great employee, right. right? And so the same way that I made that decision that I don't see that the degree is absolutely necessary, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, you, you have some experience, and you can be trained, you can be... It's the same thing from the female perspective that when one of my reports who's a female gives, gives something to me, I don't question it. I don't question it. I just sit there and I say, okay, I'll go through and I'll correct it just as I would with one of my male employees or something like that. But I don't question and I do know for a fact in the corporate environment because a female gives in a report or gives in some sort of work product, it's overly scrutinized. Yeah. Right? And so for me, that's one of the small things that I'll do. I'll sit there and say, you know what? I trust you yeah. just as I trust everyone else. Just because, you know, your gender should identify (laughs) the fact that, and ironically, you're going to make the same mistakes that a male would make. Yeah. You know, and I've, that's one of the things that really, exactly, exactly. And that's one of the big things that I've always been annoyed with that, you know, between the women working so hard, as I said before, to, (coughs) or taking up so much of their time Mm -hmm. trying to justify and trying to, they're not giving themselves the full potential. Men are not giving, allowing themselves the the full potential. It's the same thing with that, where it's like, okay, well, women handed it in, so now we have to recruitize even more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about, (coughs) like, even that, even what you said in that way, like, what if you just gave women the same amount of implicit trust that you gave a man, and if she fucks it up, then tell her, you know, whatever it is. If I ever made a mistake in my work, I would always own up to it and be responsible for it, right? And it's like, give me the opportunity to fail. And it's like, just that implicit trust, I think women, I'm sure the women that work for you probably felt this immediate, like, relief knowing that they didn't have to jump through hoops to get to where they wanted to be, 
You know, like I remember there was another time at the, I'm at this last company, there was a lot of really bad toxic things that happened there. But one of, it, in my bonus structure, it was written that I had to get along with the other females. Mm-hmm. Like what men's bonus structure says right. that? Then you have to get along There's with not them. a fucking man who has no. a structure that says, you have to be nice. Be nice, young man. Right. And then, we'll, and then the amount of money I got was, that was rated based right. on how nice I was. So some man sat there and decided, you gave 67% of what I needed to do to be nice because right. I heard you got into fights with other girls. And it also perpetuates this fucking nonsense. Right. It's and just, also, too, I think they also, they cause, it causes women to gang up on each other, too. Yeah, yeah. Right? Which, of course, now exacerbates the situation. Absolutely. Because the man is sitting there saying, well, now I have to compete with her instead of helping yeah, her and, exactly. and working with her. And, yeah. and you know, and, and I think things like that, that, that toxicity needs to, needs to go. And I, I think for me... Those are little solutions, like you said, baby steps, right? Of, uh, yeah. Um, do you want to say anything nice about your mama before we, we end this um, conversation? No, she was great. She was amazing. No. <laughs> she was, uh, no, she she was just one of those people that, like I said, it, it, it kind of gave me a false sense of of what reality was. Bathroom. It gave me a false sense of reality because I was just thinking that this is what happens in everyone's household, or this yeah. is not a you know, and um, but. When I got into the real world, I realized, oh shit, this is not a not, not the same thing. Right. But you're doing your part, and and I think as as your friend, like I think you're a wonderful friend, and you treat the women in your life with a lot of respect and love. I have a long way to go. I've also made a lot of mistakes. We all do. But I you know what's the best about you, though, and we've said this time and time again when we get drunk together, hmm. is that you're willing to listen. Yeah. And it's not about. In my opinion, it's not about you needing to apologize or atone necessarily. It's just nice that you would listen and like you take that back with you and you do with that what you will, you know, like as as a as one of your employees in the bar and as your friend, like I can't thank you enough. And this is why I wanted to have you part of this episode as well for being somebody who shows up and wants to do better or, or will, is willing to listen. Thank you. And I also appreciate you, and I will add you to my list of women that I appreciate oh, and look up you. to, um, is, is that you talk to me, and you know, we've had some conversations, and you've, you've said things to me that I was like, what? Not me. Yeah. And then I realized, oh, shit, it was me. Yeah. And I think that it also, um, it, it's helpful, right, when you have a good friend like yourself that yeah. you, know, you listen and you... But it shouldn't just be you, right? It should be any woman who comes up and says, hey, you said this and I really didn't appreciate it. Yeah. Right. It, it, it should always be across the board. And it, it, and it, it always helps to have like. a friend who will listen, obviously. Right. So exactly. I felt more comfortable talking because there's plenty of people I don't feel as comfortable about. But I think it's, I'm learning and this is part of my journey. And again, another reason why I wanted to have this as part of this women's episode is that I'm learning to find my voice and to say what's wrong. Sometimes I say it too much and too loud which I'm learning to back back down. But I think it's, it's, um, it's an interesting time in our culture and society that, you know, there's more focus being placed on this because in a lot of parts of the world, women's rights are being taken away again. Right. The U.S. Right. especially is one of those places where yeah. they're trying to systematically dismantle what women have. Right. All right, well... Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts with us. And, uh, whoa. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you again, Kenny. Um, you can find Kenny 
online. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Should I link them to your Instagram? No, I'm just kidding. Um, great. Well, thank you again for being a part of this episode. That wraps up my interviews for this week's episode. Next week, we will return with the boys. Um, a little bit of housekeeping. If you want to find us on Instagram, it's Tipsy Bear Radio. If you want to send me any questions, comments, concerns, love notes, hate notes, for that matter, uh, you can email me directly at tipsybearradio at gmail.com and all three of us will get it. Um, please listen to all of our podcasts wherever you can find podcasts because we're uh, everywhere, basically. And like us. Subscribe to us. Um, yeah, I guess that's about it for this week. Cool. Cool. Thanks, Kenny. Thank you, Daniel. Bye. Bye. Ooh, girl. That was a long one. <laughs> I congratulate you on making it this far. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, I know it felt like probably a very large departure from your your normal weekly episode with the wacky kids over here at Tipsy Bear Radio. Um, but I I really felt it was so important. Um, and I want to celebrate women more than just Women's History Month or Women's International Day. Um, so I do hope I can convince my two co-hosts to let me do this again because I thought it was really amazing. I want to thank my guests, Annabelle Zenith, Maria Fissler, and Kenny Ramsharam for joining me on this episode and um, watching, me, watching me sit through uh, interviewing, <laughs> which is not my best forte. Um, I also really want to thank my two co-hosts, Papa Bear and Georgian Roses. Um, those two goofballs really gave me free reign this week to create something really special. And their support and encouragement was really, really needed and appreciated. So thank you guys. Um, we will return back to our regular scheduled programming next week. Um, we've got a funny one coming up for you. Um, I want to leave you with a couple last thoughts. The world is a really, really scary place right now. There is a lot of violence in, against so many different people. And as a woman, it's scary to walk home alone at night. There's a lot of stories right now. There's a lot of violence. I encourage you all to take care of each other, to check in on each other, to listen to each other, to believe each other. Um, we all need each other right now. I want to leave you with one of my favorite poems by my favorite poet. Her name is Rupi Kaur. I encourage you to look up her work. I will put this on the Instagram page as well. Um, here it goes. What's the greatest lesson a woman should learn? That since day one... She's already had everything she needs within herself. It's the world that convinced her that she did not. I love that. It's like, it's a mixture of sad and, and uplifting. Um, but a lot of her work is really beautiful. And um, so, again, highly encourage you to look at that. Thank you all so much for joining me on this journey. I hope that you enjoyed these stories today. I hope that you learned something or you're going to keep questioning things because good Lord, I know I am. And there are so many more stories to be told, so many more questions to be asked. So give us a shout if you want to hear anything. Tipsy Bear Radio on Instagram, tipsybearradio gmail.com. And uh, I think you can actually leave us voice notes directly on anchor.fm. 
Take care of each other. Until next time, my friends. Mwah.